what a day! What a lovely day! Welcome to the Mad Max Minute, where every day is lovely in Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 29, which begins with the war rig being dogged by the persistent Mernaro, and it ends with Nux closing in on the rig. Back again for more is Johnny Powers, Powers by name, Powers by reputation, from Austin Powers Minute, and Niall McGowan, McGowan by name, McGowan by reputation, from the Bat Minute podcast. <laughs> That's right, McGowan by reputation. So I'll see you guys. Cheerio. <laughs> 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 but yes, oh, thank you. Thank you for having us back. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us back. I was trying to think when I was writing up my intros. Okay, so in The Spy Who Shagged Me, powers by name powers right reputation that one's easy what can i do with niles name and then i said well if i pronounce it right mcgowan <laughs> and then mcgon it just makes sense right it is mcgowan uh, <laughs> <laughs> it all depends on what part of the island you're from oh. <laughs> am i going to specify which island no no uh, i'm not any island <laughs> oh. <laughs> papua new guinea Perfect. I was very excited to see. Apparently, there is an 80-acre island for sale off the coast of Ireland. So I was like, oh, I wonder how much it's going for. It's like, oh, I'd be oh. so happy to just have 80, an 80-acre island to yourself. That sounds like, lovely, right? Just Maybe of all the people involved in the Movies by Minute community pitch in, we could buy it and make it like a Movies by Minute haven. Did you see the price tag by any chance? Yeah. No, I think it's it's in like the millions. <laughs> but... Um, you know, particularly too over here, but the, there's a lot of complications coming up with Brexit. I don't know if you guys have heard. So it could be good. Like, just like, yeah, just have like, make our own society. Just go and create a new island. If you're looking to buy real estate and you've got millions to spend, you could buy that island off of the coast of Ireland. Or there is a, what is it, one third acre? Yeah, one third of an acre with a 200 square foot cabin. Oh, I think it's a 300 square foot cabin. Oh, okay. In one of the larger cities near us that's selling for only $2 million. No, no, the <laughs> island. Actually, I, I see that and I raise you. Hi, most of us have Patreons. So if you have extra money to burn, you should throw enough money into all of the minute by minute Patreons so that we can go in on it together and that can be our like island. It'll be great. Yeah. I'm just I'm looking in through the article again to see if I can get an official price. And there is no official price, actually. But um, apparently the person who owns it says that uh, he is uh, willing to sell the island to anyone who has the means to purchase this, be they government, entrepreneurs, or someone famous. So, guys, we're all uh, famous. We can totally buy this thing from this guy. We're two of those things. Yeah. Entrepreneurs and famous. Well, <laughs> we're no. one of those things. <laughs> I don't know what the famous, stipulation perfect. is in order to be famous. I do not know, but I'm pretty sure none of us are it. <laughs> One thing that I do know for sure, and this is getting into a bit of Monday's minute that I said we were going to shuffle off to today. Around second 46 in minute 28, we start getting a section of this movie where all of these quick high energy shots are going to give way to longer, more drawn out shots. 
that really show off the majesty of this toxic storm. Like this thing is huge. It's destructive. It's terrible. But at the same time, it's awe-inspiring. And the way that George Miller slows everything down, he basically takes an action movie and he turns it into an episode of Planet Earth. <laughs> I have to ask, uh, has anyone here seen the, um, what they call it? is it called Black and Chrome or the, the black and white version of the movie that they've released? We have a copy of it, but we're saving it for a credit episode. I was just wondering, like shots like this, the color would seem so important. So mm. I'm just wondering how it looks. Like if you take, I'm so assuming they've treated it to still uh, to try to make it look amazing. But it's just yeah, the the rich redness and the kind of the, you know, the 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 oranges are coming through. Like everything about this is just like oh yeah, a lot of work went into this to make this store look as majestic and brilliant and terrifying as it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just wonder what what a transfer to black and white would even be like with it. It's definitely something for us to consider when we eventually sit down and watch it. <laughs> but depending on that, come back to it in, what, 110 episodes or whatever? Yeah. Oh, less than that. <laughs> Before watching Fury Road, I had seen the movie Twister, and I can't think of any other movies that specifically revolve around giant swirling columns of air, but I can definitely say that the first time I saw Fury Road, I had never seen anything like what we're seeing here, tail end of minute 28, most of minute 29. Mm. Yeah, I think in the world of cinema, this scene is unique. Even Twister doesn't come close to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Twister <laughs> times eight. But Twister did have the like the flying cows and stuff, though. That was That's true. <laughs> you can't beat the cows. Can you, though? Well, the Can thing is, maybe that's the where cow? they wanted they wanted to put the penguin in this scene. Oh no! That they just drive along <laughs> no. with a penguin and fly We've past. We've got penguins. No. And that was the official George Miller. Like that. That's where the line was drawn. Where he's like, "Nope, <laughs> I refuse to do that." I was like, "Can we at least have Elijah Wood just flying past as well? If you can't get the original penguin or Robin Williams, just one of them just flying past. Like, nope, nope, not doing it." Elijah Wood would have made an excellent war boy. Oh, he would have actually, yeah. Yeah, he would have. You could have put Elijah Wood in the car next to Nux and a penguin flies by and Elijah Wood says, penguin. And then that same penguin flies by and he says, oh, another penguin. And the Nux would say, no, that's the same one. (laughs) (laughs) Just to really connect everything together with super glue. Hmm. I have to ask, though, um, like, because this, you know, whatever, like, his made the post-apocalypse of the you know, nuclear war or whatever in, in the Mad Max universe. Um, out of the four movies, beyond the place being a barren desert wasteland, is this the first thing they've shown of like a different environmental factor that's a, a side effect of what's come before? That there are raging, insane sandstorms that are like just thunder and lightning and all this kind of crap? Nope, because at the end of Thunderdome, there's also a sandstorm that is quite large and unnatural. It's not a toxic sandstorm like this one, Mm. but it is unnaturally large. Mm -hmm. And we actually get a very similar visual in Thunderdome where they're in the plane and they're flying along and they fly along the edge of just this red wall of sand Mm. that is quite similar to images we saw before... They drove into the storm where we've got this large, just impossibly large wall of red sand. Mm-hmm. Oh, this might be like um, a, 
thing that recurs in uh, Fury Road for me is that like it's taking things that were in the other movies and kind of like almost doing them like better in a way. Mm-hmm. Like the visual of someone fastened to the front of a car, like that's from Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. But then in this one, it's much more memorable because I like when I saw Road Warrior, I did, that visual didn't stay in my head, but it stays in your head in this one because maybe because it's the main character who's you know stuck at the front of the car. But um, and then uh, like it's even things like um, like you know they have they have toe cutters back, but he's a he's kind of like a bigger, more imp- impressive villain this time. So it's like yeah, same guy, but we're doing we're doing more with him. So this is like oh yeah, we took the uh, the sandstorm idea and we're doing it better. Like we're doing it even bigger than before. Faster, more intense. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) So we've got this war rig, and Furiosa is driving it through this storm, and she's doing pretty much what Rictus Erectus thought she was going to do. She's trying to lose them in the storm because she thinks they're stupid. She thinks that she can lose them in there. But she's still got this group of chuckleheads in this Monaro that is chasing her down. Now, these are the same guys before we got into the storm that tried to shoot her with a flamethrower. And she sideswiped them and then they lit themselves on fire. Well, there are enough war boys that are still here and not burnt that they (laughs) have kept up with this pursuit. And they're looking at the situation ahead. You've got war rig and off to the left of the war rig, you've got this giant column of air. And these guys make the brilliant decision. Let's pass the war rig on the left Mm -mm. and try and cut the difference between the war rig and the giant column of angriness. Well, they're just following the rules of the road. (laughs) <laughs> you're supposed to pass on the left so that the driver can see you yes. so you're not in their blind spot they're being responsible drivers <laughs> responsible <laughs> irresponsible drivers yeah very much so it would be great though if that was the last thing that like Nux heard as he's watching them go past it's like let my safe driving be my legacy <laughs> <laughs> There are a number of things that fly off this Monaro when it's swept up into the storm. And one of them that would have been really funny would be a bumper of some kind flying off the car. And we get a nice little close up slow-mo of how's my driving. Stop. I just thought about that, too. I was like, mm, can we call? Is there? Can we call? Like, they're driving was safe until they got swept yeah. up in a tornado. <laughs> you just pick up. You call now. And it's like just the like. A waiting tone, and you get this is Mad Max. No rules apply. Hang up. <laughs> or if you get straight through to uh, the Tom Hardy, it's just like <laughs> you just can't like, understand what he's saying. I love you, Tom Hardy. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, there is a bit in this minute where some something is said. I have no idea what it is. You hear, "Come on!" <laughs> like what? What was it? Is that that's Max saying that, right? But what is he saying? I think it's the war boys in the Monaro that are shouting to each other. The subtitles are handy because they let us know that there are war boys shouting, Come on, we've almost got her. Okay. And then as the war rig swerves to press the Monaro into the twister, they shout, Come on, hold it steady. And I'm like, guys, you gotta do so much more than just hold it steady. You're about to get <laughs> twistered. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like this whole chain of events because they're getting so close to the tanker that they're creating a like rusty metal on rusty metal, like friction on top of all the wind and the sand. So they're just going to kick up some sort of ignition mm-hmm. somehow. 
whether or not they go into the column of death or not. <laughs> so yeah, it looks like they had already set themselves on fire again <laughs> when they got swept up. Yeah, these guys are not good at using the flamethrower. <laughs> it looks almost like they're trying to burn maybe like the fuel line you underneath know. about the middle of the length of the tanker. Just like for Valhalla. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go for it. <laughs> Whatever works. For all of their focus on dying gloriously in battle. Sure. When they go out, they go out like chumps being picked up by Mother Nature's angry finger and thrown through the air. But, oh my word, it is so amazing to watch because you've got this giant heavy war rig. You understand why the rig and the tanker are not getting swept up because they're really heavy. Mm. And they're also on the edge of the twister. But as soon as that Monaro actually gets pushed into the twister and it starts lifting up and the fire starts spreading and then explodes and multiple big plumes in the air... Nux is in his car, leaning over the steering wheel, trying to get a look at this. And I'm like, dude, hashtag same. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so I was wondering about that, that he spends so much time leaning forward, straining to watch this whole thing. He's witnessing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. he is watching as long as he possibly can to witness as much of their death explosions as possible. That's why I, I find them such an interesting character as well because again he's you know so indoctrinated into this lifestyle he's kind of looking in genuine awe at what's happening and he doesn't seem to be upset that like his his brothers are dying because to him it's like oh they're dying in glorious battle for one thing and he is witnessing them it's so enthusiastic to be like yes they're gone but this is a great thing that they they died in this fashion and stuff so it's, it's yeah it's very plus actually as well though i have to put down um another, another official statement uh, if I was to die in that manner, I think I'd be pretty happy with that as a death. <laughs> you think afterwards, it's like, I'd make sure at the funeral everyone knows exactly the circumstances. Because that was beyond the, the stupid driving element. The whole getting sucked into a toxic, you know, sandstorm, tornado thing and the car blowing up and stuff. I want people to know that. I want So people there would be like, sounds like a pretty cool death. Instead of, you know, something stupid like, oh, I just stubbed his toe and fell down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> What's that song, uh, Dumb Ways to Die? Yep. Done by the Australian... I think it's the like, train Metro? council. Yeah, the yeah. train council. Pretty much the whole mind the gap idea. Don't <laughs> fall onto the train tracks. Yeah. 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 So I don't think this is a dumb way to die. Mm -mm. Uh, one of our recurring Australian guests on Batman, uh, Dale Kingsmill, she did a cover of Dumb Ways to Die, but it was all set in... Because uh, she's a big D&D uh, &D player. So she's just coming out with random ways you could die in D and D and stuff and playing it <laughs> oh, on that's ukulele. Excellent. It's like, uh, oh, she's she's a she's a funny girl. So uh, yeah, be, there's a there's a plug for Dale Kingsmill and that video. If people <laughs> want to go check it out. I'm trying to figure out what pieces of um, religious mythology they've put together to create this Mad Max like structure. Mm. Because like, sure, they've got the Valhalla of Norse mythology, but we're like you're. The witness part, that's not part of a warrior's thing. I mean, this, yes, these warriors, but not like like a Viking warrior thing. Mm. Rick, remind me, have we dug into that yet? I don't think so. Because we've dug into the religious symbolism of several aspects of this cult. I don't think we've done the witness me part yet. Mm. Although I can see it as an extension of the Valhalla mythos. The idea that in order to get into Valhalla, you need witnesses to vouch for you. 
if you die a warrior's death, cool. Did anybody see it? No. Well, less cool then. If a war boy dies and goes to the gates of Valhalla and there are no other war boys to vouch for him, does he still get in? And I say that because in like, I think it's week 20 that we're getting into. So a while ago from now, Joe says to Nux that if Nux does something for him, that Joe himself will carry him to the gates of Valhalla. So I think there is a invite only thing set up in Valhalla where if you don't know someone inside, then you need to have people who know why you should be let inside. Mm. And even Christianity has an element of witnessing. Like I'm thinking specifically of weddings and baptisms Mm -hmm. must have witnesses. It's like a cosign. I cosign that you're baptized kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Plus there's the whole like St. Peter in his book the whole idea behind Christianity is like Jesus put your name in a book and St. Peter is there to check it off and let you in like a doorman and a nightclub. <laughs> Here I go Wait. using nightclub imagery Rick, again, Rick, even though I've Rick. never been to a nightclub. Rick Ingham? Mm, <laughs> I don't okay. see it. No, he's not here. I, you got to talk to St. Peter. <laughs> I've got an Ingram and I'm like, no, I'm not an Ingram. I'm not an Ingram. I'm an Ingham. And he's oh. like, oh, well, you know, you might want to Take the elevator down. Check if you're on their list. <laughs> I was like, I'm anticipating my own debate of like, is it uh, McGowan? <laughs> like, no, McGowan. <laughs> I told you already, damn it. I love the idea. If you that swear Saint Peter at St. Is... Peter, he won't let you in. I love the idea of St. Peter being terrible at pronouncing names. <laughs> well, he's got such an easy name. <laughs> okay, so they've mixed mixed a lot of crap to make mm-hmm. this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I like the aspect of you calling it a cult, which it is. But when you're outside of the like utopian part of it, I don't think of it so much as a structured cult. Hmm. I think it more of like um like if you play Fallout and you like walk around and you encounter bandits or like mutants or like whatever. They're like merry bands of people who are together. Mm-hmm. But then you forget that the overall superstructure is they're part of this conglomerate society of this cult and it's all functioning around this one pillar Mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah i'm trying to focus in on what exactly makes it a cult and i think it's the fascination with a morton joe as a singular figure Mm. what's a charismatic leader yeah who calls the shots who keeps order based off of his own rules and then if you lose your leader everything devolves into chaos yeah Like, going back to the Fallout thing, like, you've got the children of Adam who worship radiation and for some reason they're immune to it. And so they hang out in super irradiated areas. And those people can very much be seen as a cult, but not because they follow one specific person, but because they separate themselves out from society. Like, there's an isolation aspect to it. I Um, would see them as, like, a New Age religious movement. Yeah. Whereas, like, the Brotherhood I kind of see as, like, a cult. (laughs) It's a tricky thing, the label. I think the label is also very subjective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, though, you'll be like, um, you know, getting to this much, much further down the line and stuff. But I was quite taken in the fact that, like, yeah, as soon as Morta and Joe is dead, as soon as he's presented dead, 
everyone is just like, oh, the hell, that guy. Let's see. The, things do descend into chaos. There's no, like, secondary leader. It's just sort of like, yep, that he was the one thing that was keeping us going. <laughs> this, one, this one guy was running this entire thing by himself somehow that everyone was loyal to him. And as soon as he's gone, it's just like, well, the hell with it. We're free now and stuff. It's pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I guess maybe a lot of the war boys are gone, but there's still tons of them left in the city as well. But uh, Oh, yeah, tons yeah. of them. There are countless war boys. You got the sick war boys and the war pups and war all pups. ones that are not well enough to do war. Uh, I just like saying war pup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> cute. That's what I would want to be. <laughs> war pup. I do have to say, though, um, like... Just a shout out, even though he's not in these minutes, just the, the design of Immortan Joe, though, just as, like, just something to look at. He's he is awesome looking. Like, that is a, that's one of the most, like, that mask he has is one of the best masks I've seen in cinema in about 20 years. Like, he just looks so, so cool. That we, It's such a unique thing. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of like it's, like, he's got, like, a metal horse face with these big teeth and stuff. And it's just like, oh, it's amazing. It's a, you know, fantastic, fantastic character in general. And just the actual uh, design of them. It's like, yeah, they should really... Everyone in this movie should be patting themselves on the back for everything. Because this is a really... This was quite a feat to achieve this thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the people who designed Immortan Joe as well, just get an extra shout out for them. Even though it's not relevant to this episode, I guess. There are plenty of things to applaud in Fury Road. You'll get no argument from me there. <laughs> but I do want to pull us back into the minute. Because as we're watching all of these things explode and fly around and Nux is filled with such awe, we get to a point where the explosion is done, the music drops out, and we're sitting in the car with Nux, and he's just shuddering with excitement. And he lets out the phrase that we've heard so many times in every trailer and every advertisement. Oh, what a day. What a lovely day. That was one, as I alluded to in the the, the last episode, like one of the most instantly iconic lines that now it's like people people say that everyone knows now like what what that's from and stuff there's a lot to love about this phrase (laughs) not only is it easy you can plaster it on just about anything and because of the advertising you'll know exactly what people are talking about but in universe it also juxtaposes with the fact that he's driving through a giant toxic storm to begin with and it (laughs) highlights his devotion to this suicide cult that he's part of And how the fact that even though his brothers are dying around him in spectacular fashion, that this day is absolutely lovely because Mm. so many of his war brethren are going to Valhalla. I think this is a direct reaction to him witnessing so many of his brethren die gloriously. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I do love it as a phrase, though, as well, because it's quite distinctly Australian. If it was very British to me, because people over here would say, oh, what a lovely day. It doesn't sound like a very American <laughs> thing to say, oh, what a lovely day. But uh, except for like the Bill Withers song, obviously, of course, would you associate the phrase with immediately. But um, <laughs> it, it kind of throws back to like that. Yeah, that uh, very sort of um, distinctly Australian kind of eccentric language that's in all the Mad Max movies. Like, in fact, you have like a character in Thunderdome called Auntie. Which isn't a thing Americans say all that much of like, oh, yes, my auntie. It's like, that's much more of a, a British slash Australian thing because obviously the two countries are intrinsically linked. So yeah, the, I like that because it, it really brings me back to the old Mad Max it's after the massive gap of time. What, like, was it like 15 years or so or even, even more than that? Uh, closer to 30. Oh, I mean, like since Thunderdome, like since the, the previous movie. But, yeah. 
1985 to 2015 is 30 years. Oh, sorry. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just like... Uh, <laughs> time flies. Like, Concepts of but, time. But, uh, but yeah, so like I was... I was um, it's a... Uh, it, it, it really hard, like, brought it right back into that universe for me. Like, oh, that sounds like a very Mad Max thing to say. Like, and it's its own uh, eccentric form of dialogue that they throw in there from from time to time. I would like to see Nicholas Holt sneak this line into all of his movies, <laughs> just to show off the different range and how versatile this line is. Like, he is playing J.R.R. Tolkien in the biopic Tolkien that. I don't know if it's out as this episode is dropping or if it's still yet to come. I don't know. We're recording this in February, so I don't know. But I would like to see that movie and at one point have Nicholas Holt as J.R.R. Tolkien, just like whether it's in the war or when he's home from war, just sitting there with a cup of coffee and be like, ah, what a day. What a lovely day. (laughs) Because it would be a different inflection and a different reasoning behind it, but it's the same words and it's so versatile. You could say mm. it is Beast for sure. In yes. S-Men. That was one thing, like, if they wanted to have the like, crossover in Nicholas Holt movies, uh, what I would have loved that they had done, like in Road Warrior, where you have, like, a, a voiceover describing, like, the, oh, yes, the, the Road Warrior and all this sort of stuff, like, from the, from the kid. If, like, Nux had survived this movie and he was narrating it way into the future, but they got Kelsey Grammer in to do the voice <laughs> <laughs> instead of Nick Holton's... <laughs> Like, I would have been, I just love Kelsey Grammer in general, so I would have just loved it anyway. But if that had been the reasoning behind it, I'm like, oh, yeah, fantastic. You've you've done it again, Miller, you genius. (laughs) After Nux says, oh, what a day, what a lovely day, we get what could arguably seen as something that's close to a penguin to make Johnny happy. Yay! We get Nux's hood ornament. Well, not even a hood ornament. It's a dashboard bobbler. Yeah. Not the first time we've seen it, but it's no. nice to see it return. It's and bird. it's agreeing with Nux. Yeah. Enthusiastically agreeing. Do you guys have, you know, if not a penguin, do you have a theory on which kind of bird this skull might be taken from? Oh, it's absolutely a crow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. It's definitely a crow. Crows have a special part of the Mad Max series. Specifically from the first movie, you hear them a lot when the bikies are around, when trouble is afoot. You hear crows. You don't hear them so much in Thunderdome because they really downplay the animal bird thing in that movie as far as wild animals are concerned. But just having a crow be associated with someone who is in a bad guy faction, it's like poetry. It rhymes. (laughs) To quote another George. So Nux, emboldened by this, slams down on the accelerator and he pushes that car. And I say push because as we're reminded in one of these shots, that front tire is gone and that rim is digging into the dirt, gouging out a trough in the desert. Even if a Morton Joe's fleet lost sight of the war rig in this storm, like most likely happened, they could probably follow the gouge in the desert left by Nux's car to try and find where the rig went. Like a trail of breadcrumbs. Exactly. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you've got sound logic there, Rick. I have no disagreements with what you've just said. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. As the Nuxmobile, as I prefer to call it, <laughs> is coming up Furiosa's right-hand side, passing on the right, Uh-oh. which is not correct. <laughs> Anyways, she's looking at him in her side view mirror, and it... Her side view mirror just kind of 
pops and explodes. It looks like it got struck by lightning. It got struck by lightning. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up because when I was cutting up these minutes into individual shots, I was racking my brain trying to figure out why this mirror breaks. And I'm like, does Nux shoot it? There's no muzzle flash, so he didn't shoot it. Did Mm. it get struck by lightning? Did it get blown apart by the wind? Did they hit a bump or something like that? I think it's definitely the the light the lightning to me. My best guess is that it's a piece of debris, like a rock being thrown by the storm. That makes I think it's the lightning thing just it seems that way because it, it occurs with the flash of light. So it's yeah, sort of, it's true. It evokes that in your head. But Yeah. I've got it paused on miraculously just the right moment where there's a bolt of lightning in the mirror we see a bolt of lightning. It comes down and hits behind the next mobile. So it's possible that the force of that blew some debris off of Nux's car and into the mirror. Because at that point, Nux is pretty close. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing, though, because if you're a superstitious type, who is going to get the seven years bad luck out of this? Is the lightning (laughs) going to get it? Or is it going to be the debris? Or is it going to be Nux? For this being the, the you know near, or is it gonna be Furiosa because it's her mirror that's broken? So mm-hmm. who how's that get doled out? It's split between all parties. Yeah, because <laughs> everybody who's in this shot, I guess the scene, this is the group of people that we're gonna stick with for quite a bit of the rest of the movie. This is our party, and they all kind of have crappy luck. So mm-hmm. it all comes down to this moment when these two mirrors break. Uh, do you think though is it like when it's divvied up is it like oh each of them gets like two and a half years of bad luck or is it like oh no it's seven years but it's not quite as bad luck it's just sort of like moderate luck it's sort of like yeah i mean you kind of get because i guess at the end of the day furiosa does get what she wants but it's just like an inconvenient way for her so it's like maybe if the if she had borne the brunt of the full if she was solely responsible for that mirror breaking then she'd be dead by the end of this movie hmm and there are people who don't survive this movie, oh, yeah. who are in this group. Well, the thing is, though, it's kind of like, if N- Nux does die, so, like, spoilers for the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, the gods that dole out this luck business, they'd want to keep him around for the full seven years, though. So, that's kind of like, oh, if he's, he's getting out, like, two days later. That ain't seven years bad luck. So maybe it is Furiosa that's taking the brunt of this because she has to, you know, survive and live the full seven years before she can die. So they get the entire death. Wait, did you say the person who's alive is um, more unlucky than the person who's dead? Yeah, because the person who's dead is doesn't get the doesn't get the full seven years bad luck though. They they're out. They get like they're they're done. So it's like, no, you get the full experience of the seven years and then you can die. Yeah, Nux gets to go to Valhalla. Does he? Does he? So maybe it's maybe it's like it's an indication like, oh no, this is all Furiosa. She broke that mirror. Like <laughs> just by looking at it. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to argue the ins and outs of exactly how seven years of bad luck work when you break a mirror. <laughs> but I'm clicking through frame by frame right now, and the way I've got it, at fifty-seven seconds, sixteen frames, you see the flash of lightning in the mirror. When I click over from frame 16 to frame 17, the mirror is broken now. And it looks like the main force that broke the mirror came through in the bottom half because the glass is being blown out from the bottom and is sort of curving up towards the top. So whatever hit that mirror 
hit the lower end of it, and it completely spared the smaller side mirror up to the right of the main mirror. And you can actually see, well, I can actually see, because I'm clicking through like this, the backing of the mirror and the side frames of the mirror are being knocked loose and are sort of hanging off of the frame. So whatever did it, whether it was a rock thrown by the storm or a rock kicked up by the wheels of the war rig or something that Nux did, it's going to be a real pain to replace that thing. And I guess if you want to see the word pain as a pun or play on words of the fact that it's glass, go for it. But it was not intentional. Well, I didn't think of that until you said it. How is there still even whole pieces of glass yeah. in this world? <laughs> Do they make glass? They must do. I mean, they got glass, a lot of sand, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, glass so. isn't hard to make. You just have to, like, superheat it up. I think they're just lucky. They're lucky to have found the glass in the first place intact, and then they're careful enough to make sure that it's maintained. No, they're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> Opposite I mean, of careful. Not in this movie. I do also, uh, is, is this the first time um, you get the, uh, the shot of... Nux's name on the pedal as well to indicate that he's somewhat well I guess he's totally personalized the car if he's you know if it's his car but the, this is the fact that he's actually got a signature on the one of the pedals I think we got to see it earlier when did, yeah. Nux assumedly was looked at by Morton Joe initially and he said I am awaited I am awaited of Valhalla and he pulled his steering wheel off and raised it up through the moonroof and we got a quick shot of him slamming on the accelerator in that scene, too. Okay. So technically the second time, but no less important. We're establishing that when it comes to going fast, Nux is all about it. This is the second time we've seen him do this exact thing. Not just slamming on the accelerator, but also turning on his uh, NOS system. Because I assume it's a nitrous oxide system, I assume. Yeah, yeah. Might just be extra gas. I really don't know. I'm not that good with cars. But the important thing is that Nux is going about as fast as he can manage, and he is about to catch up to Furiosa, if not just match her speed sort of thing. We'll figure out the whole placement situation when we come back on Friday, because we will see Nux get a little gassy, Max is going to punch out a window, and uh, they will both meet with the business end of the war rig. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 29 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.